0: All right. All right. How you guys doing good? Doing good, everybody? Welcome um, to week two of Build. And, um, and so we're in a series that we call Build. And really, um, the greater purpose, so there's a couple things. We are talking about how we're building a campus and how we're going to complete it. We are talking about that. To me, though, the, even the greater purpose beyond that is um, I think the way the way the Lord has really dealt with me to bring these messages to you, and really ultimately they come from me. I really can't take a lot of credit for, although I think He'll let me take credit for most of the humor because it's bad. <laughs> and so, uh, anyways, but um, but I can't take all the credit for that. But I think the way the Lord really showed me to lead this series is, um, is that if we will lean into these messages, they they will they are. They're life-changing concepts and principles and ideas. In a way, they challenge us to even grow and be better. And so that's if you were here last week, we talked about the purpose God had for you and why God had that purpose, uh, which we call the four Bs, to believe in Jesus, belong to a family, become a disciple, and build God's kingdom. And so, if you miss that, I would encourage you to go back, and you can watch it on YouTube and 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 all that. So I understand a lot of people think, oh, this is a, you know, they're they're talking about building a building, and they're going to take an offering, and yeah, all that's going to happen. But the there's more value than just that. There's more going on than than just that, and that's what I want you to understand. So even if you're a guest today, then you can lean in and listen in. And what we're going to talk about, I, I met a wonderful couple after the 9 a.m. service today. And uh, it was their first time with us, and they were just like, you know, and so here they're coming in the middle, we're talking about building camps, but they said the message was exactly for us, and there were some specific things I said that I did not plan to say, and they were like, that was, they're telling me that, and I'm like, well, that was just the Holy Spirit, because I wasn't planning, I didn't, I didn't tell them that, I just said man, But in my mind, I'm like, isn't God so good? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and, so, um, and so I just want you to, to lean in. But we are also talking about it, so if you don't know, if you're a guest Um, We are halfway finished with building a new campus. So obviously this is a temporary place and we have uh, 49 acres that we purchased on North 259 and we have a campus underway and you can go and see that it's underway and we have slab poured and we have steel standing and we had paused that during COVID and now we know it's time to go finish that. And so we're this, this is kind of where we're talking about what our next steps are. We had a lot of our church people say, hey, what are our next steps to get from here to there? So that's what this time is about, saying, okay, here's what we need to do in, in order to get there. And so BUILD is essentially a 12-month initiative where we've outlined, and I'm going to show you what the next steps are, to take these next steps, which will position us to finish the building next year, probably at least by Christmas of 2023. It's about $5 million to finish it. We're $5 million finished with it now. It's about a $10 million project. And so we're talking about how to do that. And so our next steps, are going to put a slide up on the screen. And so our next steps are this. These are the things that we need to get done. And so um, we need to finish all of our develop, site development. So we have a bridge that has to be installed and, and then the sewer outfall, which runs the north part of the property and ties into the sewer service, um, and then we've finished all of our roads and parking, and then we need to dry in the building, and uh, so we, it's there now. Um, most of the components are there. What's assembled is the skeleton of the exterior, basically all the red iron and and all that standing. And so we need to get it dried in. So this is my faith, and this is a huge step. I get it, $2 million is a lot of money. Um, but my my prayer and faith is like, Lord, if we could do this in the next 12 months, it would position us then to finish the inside of the building and, and be in, hopefully, I believe we could be in by December of 2023. And that's really ultimately what I think we need to do. And so I know that's, again, that's a lot of money. And so, but here's, here's what I want you to understand. So there's, um, I talked about this last week, but I'm a destination person. So where are my destination people? Like give me an ambient, wake me up when we're there. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like I, it's, it's, I don't really take ambient, but I'm, and I'm not against you if you take it. It's just a terrible joke is all it was anyways. Um, <laughs> but I'm just saying, I just want to, I just want to get there, you know? And, um, and so uh I you know, but there then there are journey people, so we're the road trip people, and you have a playlist for this? yes, how many of you have a playlist for the yeah, uh-huh, yeah, you're those people, and we love you, and we need you in our lives to to tell us about road trips and journeys, and we need you to drive so we can fly and so um <laughs> and so, but the journey is really like I was thinking about all the testimonies of the journey. And, guys, you can take that slide down. I'm sorry. I need to let them know when I'm finished. And it really doesn't apply to you in the room, but the people at home, they can't see me when that slide is up. And so, and I know I'm handsome and they want to see me. And so, I'm just kidding. These are the jokes, people. They're horrible. All right. So, anyways, um, but I was thinking about all the testimonies. Like, like, I understand it's $2 million. I understand it's a lot of money. I, I get all that. Trust me. I, I deal in that part of our world all day as a church. Like, I understand the budget and all that. But, you know, we were in a. I was talking to a person this week, and she was sharing what God had done. That when we had gone through the the first part of a rise, um, which was initiative to get us where we are, because we did that five million all cash. Like we've never taken a loan. We don't owe any money. So, if, like our. If I mean, it's probably good to know. I mean, if you're new or not, our church, I think, is somewhere around six million in assets with not one dollar of debt so far. And so. Um, <laughs> And so, I mean, that's just the, that's the faithfulness of God is what that is. And, um, but this individual was sharing, they said, you know, if we made a commitment the first time and it was a sacrificial, was a large amount of money. Um, and we gave it to the Lord and they said, currently that same, that amount of money is in our account right now. Let God put it back. And, um, and I remember for me when, when just me, what I did personally, I'm telling you the first time around is I cleaned out my savings account, gave everything I had and, and I'm actually in a better place today than I was then. And so I'm just, I, the point is, and, and I don't have a, I don't have a lot, like, you know, I'm not rich or something like that, but I have plenty and, and I want every person to have their own stories and their own testimonies, really. To me, that's where the value is. And so, yes, I'm going to unashamedly ask every pathway person, even if you're online, but you consider us your church. I got a message from a lady this week. She's like, I watch you every week and it is changing my life. And, you know, if if we're your home and this is what, you know, if you have a church home, that's you got something else that's fine. You're welcome to watch in. But. But um, I'm going to unashamedly ask every pathway person um, on February 27th is when we will make commitments for 12 months and say, this is what I believe God has put on my heart. So this is what I'm asking you to do prior to February 27th. Go meet with God, meet with your family, look at your budget. And I'm not asking. Here's the only thing I'm asking that I think is so simple. Because I just put my cards on the table. I'm not going to manipulate you, and I'm not going to tell you you're going to get rich if you're going to give. And I'm not going to try to put amounts in your head or make little envelopes. That I'm not. A, I mean, this just I don't I don't do well. I'm called to be a pastor, not a money raiser. Okay, so um, <laughs> there's my cards on. That's why I'm not good at this. So I just kind of just have to say, hey, here's what we're doing, kids. You know, <laughs> and so, um, but. I, but because I so much believe in what God wants to do in all of our lives. And I want you to have your own stories. And I want you to see the faithfulness of God, kind of like this individual that was sharing their testimony, kind of like the testimonies that I have in my life that I could share. Um, I, I want every person to go, I, this is all I want you to do, ask God, Lord, how much do you want me to give over the next 12 months? Like, what is my commitment? And I'm not, I'm not going to manipulate you and tell you what it is. I'm just going to say, just go ask God. And don't, don't, because here's what we do. And especially men, because we're, you know, we're like this, men. You hear someone say, we're going to do commitments. Well, you know, I guess I could give X. I'm not asking what you guess you could give. I want you just to go at the, the obedience and the faith is what changes your life. Not the amount. Right? It's the obedience and the faith. There have been times in my life where I'm like, I'm going to give this amount, and, God, and, and it was larger, and God came back with a smaller number. That's happened like once, but it was cool when it happened. <laughs> But usually God is going to stretch us and God is going to give us a number that seems like, man, I don't even know exactly how. And then you had to sit down with your budget and you have to figure it out. But all I'm asking for is I want a hundred percent commitment. I want everyone on the 27th and, and we'll get cards to you. So just stay in the boat with us. We're all going to get there. But on the 27th, I want you to come. And it's, it's two things, big give weekend. And it's, um, commitment weekend. And that's where we turn in our commitment cards with a with a first offering for that, or we call it a first fruits of that. It's kind of the biblical terminology. And what I'd l- really love to do is at the very minimum with that, just that on that Sunday, pay for the bridge, which is about $200,000. If we get the bridge in the sewage, which is a little bit under $400,000, that would be thrilling. But I would like to be able to get that paid for just out of that day when people bring their commitments and their first offering on or their, you know, their, their first fruits offering. And again, that's something God tells you to do. I can't tell you what to do, but God can tell you to do that. And, and remember all I'm asking is just obedience and faith for whatever he says. And here's why I know. I know that $2 million is a lot of, a lot of money, you know, I mean, a hundred dollars, a lot of money if you don't have it, you know, so $2 million, a lot of money. But I just want to sometimes, you know, but when you're facing Goliath, you got to remember the reason God gives you a Goliath is to pull the David out of you. Right. And and but God doesn't start you with a Goliath. He gives you a lion and a bear. Right. And like I was thinking, like when we moved in this building, we were a young church. We had no money. And this building came available and it did not look like this. It was it looked like it was mauve. Okay, I'm just going to say it was mauve, the carpet was pretty rough, the walls were not in here, I mean, it was just, it was like, I mean, we had put as much lipstick on this pig as we can, you understand what I'm saying? Like, it was rough, and and I remember we sat down with the elders, and we just didn't have, I mean, we were a new church with hardly any people and it was like, how are we going to get there? And we just felt like, well, if we did, took an offering and if people were to, to give about $30,000, we thought maybe we could get in here. And we had this little temporary setup plan and all this kind of stuff. And I was sitting at home praying one day and God said, are you going to ask me what I want to do? or Are you just going to do what you think you can do? And I was like, you know, usually when God asks you a question, he's not looking for information. So I said, God, you know, well, what do you want to do? And I remember God saying, I'm going to blow your mind. You, you make a budget for what you need, what you want, not, not just what you think I can do, et cetera. And, and so it sounds, it's a big number, I understand. It was $120-something thousand dollars, which sounds like a big number. Today, if $120-something thousand dollars would solve our problem, oh, Jesus. <laughs> so I pray to the Lord. Um, anyways, but um, it was a big number, and God provided it literally like almost in a day it was crazy what started happening and and then we we moved in here and then when we bought the land some of you remember um, that we're here we um we were looking for land we had a little over two hundred thousand dollars that we had saved up to buy land we had this opportunity, for 49 acres, and really the way, that, no telling what that land is worth today, but back then there was a, a dip in our, we had an old dip and all that kind of stuff, and um, we bought 40, the 49 acres with several hundred feet of frontage on North 259, for $700,000, it ended up being $695,000 actually. And, um, which was an incredible price at the time. We just, it, the only thing was we didn't, we didn't have $700,000 and we didn't want to take a loan. And we had like $200,000 say, and so I just, you know, I remember we had a consultant, uh, who's a friend of ours, wonderful man of God, great man of faith. And, and he happened to be in and we were just talking and he said, so what's your plan to raise this money? This is legitimately what I said. I said, I'm just, I'm just going to tell the people what we need to do. And he just looked at me. And he's like, yeah, let me know how that works. I'm like, no, I think if I just tell people like this is how we need to trust God, what we need to do, I think, I think they'll respond. So we did, like we we sat up here, in fact, Pastor Mark sat up here and he just asked questions that people wanted to know to get all the information out of my head and out there. And then what was great is as soon as we decided, we signed the contract and we had, uh, I think we had a four week option period and a two week close. So we had six weeks to raise essentially 400 and something, 450,000, roughly 400 something thousand dollars which obviously is a lot of money. The problem was right as soon as we signed a contract, I was going to be out for two weeks, so I couldn't even tell the people. And and then there was an oil crunch, and people were losing jobs and getting cut, and then our online giving crashed. And I was like, well, this is working out so well so far. <laughs> and I remember I just stood up, and I kind of like what I'm doing right now. Hey, here's the plan, guys. This is what I feel like the Lord's given us and, and, and all that. And this is no lie. In one week, uh, we had over $800,000 given and we bought the land and closed it with about $400,000 left over. And so, um, and then, and then when I, one of the staff said, we have a lot of people that don't know these stories and I have all these stories in my head. So Merry Christmas. And um and so then when we, the first time around a lot of you were here for this, but it I mean we had people telling us you are crazy to try to do this without a bank, and that's just the word we had at the time was this is how we want you to do this, and even I thought it is I mean a church of our size a ten million dollar project not getting a loan okay you know and and we did that and God moved and and guys I mean we. We we paid five million dollars cash. And so that's why I say I get the numbers are big, right? I get it. But God's given us a big number to get something big, to do something big in us and get something big out of us. And it's okay, we know God's going to do it because we have a lion and we have a bear and we're not asking God to do anything He hadn't already said He's going to do. And honestly, we're not even believing something we haven't already seen several times. So come on, Bon Jovi. We're halfway there. We're living on a prayer, right? So where am I, Bon Jovi people? God bless this great psalmist, great psalmist of the Lord. And um, it's my life. It's now or never. And so um, don't give love a bad name. Come on, let's believe in Jesus. We're not going to be shot down in a blaze of glory. And um, I'm sorry. So anyways, God's going to be faithful. So here's, here's what I want you to do. I don't want you to worry about the scoreboard. Let's just, let's just be obedient to what God speaks to us. And you might say, well, man, what I could give wouldn't even matter. It's okay. I feel the same way. Like, really, what is it, with me giving as sacrificial as I could give, I don't feel like it's, it's, it's enough. But I'm going to do it because um, all God needs is a loaf and some fish. He'll take care of feeding the 5,000. Right? So... Um, anyways, all right. So it's going to be fun. Um, so get your Bibles and turn with me to Genesis chapter 28. Last week, I spoke about the power of vision, the power of vision. And I said, hey, what is God's vision for earth, like for, for creation? And, and we said, well, what God wanted in the short version God wanted heaven on earth. He wanted the kingdom of heaven to influence the earth, which is the, that's what the whole Bible's about. And, and we say, well, how, did, how was God gonna do that? What was his method? His method was to make man, and he made man, we talked about, to believe in him, to belong to him, to become like him, and to build like him. So we said, how does heaven come to earth? Like, if it's God's calling... if it's God's vision, it becomes our calling because we're partnered with God in this because we are the men or the men and the women. We are the humanity that God created to, to accomplish his vision. So how do we bring heaven to earth? Very simple. We believe in Jesus belong to a family, become a disciple, and build God's kingdom. And as we are believing and belonging and becoming and building, we are bringing heaven to earth. So this is is our purpose, what we're called to. And that's why we say the mission of Pathways to help every person believe in Jesus to belong to a family, to become a disciple, and to build God's kingdom. We just make that up. It's because it comes from when God made man. God created man to believe in him, to belong to him, and we see that in Genesis 1.26, and we talked about that. If you missed that, please go back and listen to that um, and, and, or watch it from, from last week. So this week I want to talk along these lines, and we're going to be in Genesis 28. I want to talk about the power of a place. The power of a place. And so, Genesis 28, this is Jacob. Um, so if you remember how many remember, so Abraham, how many in kids church, you sung the song, Abraham, father, Abraham had many sons. Did anybody go to my church? Four of you, five of you, six of you. It's really horrible theology. Father Abraham had one son. Um, he did not have many sons. And, uh, and so, you know, but don't let, you know, don't let a, a good song get ruined by, you know, by, by correct theology. So anyways, um, so, Father Abraham had one son. I guess technically at Ishmael too, but you understand what I'm saying. He, he and Sarah had one son. You know, but it's and it's not as good a song. Father Abraham had one son. One son had Father Abraham. And uh, anyways, never mind. That's um, <laughs> bad. All right. So this is Abraham. Then he has Isaac, the one son. And uh, then <laughs> Isaac has Esau and Jacob. Esau and Jacob were twins. Esau was technically the oldest. Esau gets hungry, sells his birthright to Jacob which was the oldest had a birthright and a blessing. um, And that was very important in their culture. We talk about that another time. And so the the blessing and the birthright always fell to the the oldest. But then uh, Jacob sold Esau, or Esau sold Jacob his birthright for some some soup, really, if you read the Bible. Um, Must have been some great soup. And so... um, and then Jacob kind of tricks his dad into getting, receiving the blessing. So now Esau has lost the birthright and the blessing. The situation is Jacob is, is kind of like um, uh, Emeril Lugasi, like he's a chef, right? Um, Esau is like, you know, Steve Ornell from Eatin Meat Eater. He's a great hunter. So Jacob's like, I cook, he kills, I should run. And so anyway, so he's on the run from he leaves Beersheba where they were at and heads toward Haran looking for love, (laughs) literally a wife. And all of a sudden, I'm in my head looking for love and in all the wrong places. But anyways, (laughs) um, Jacob, (laughs) ADD is real, y'all. So anyways, Jacob left Beersheba. He's heading to It's over 3000 miles of this journey. And uh, he has this encounter with God. And so we're reading again Verse 10, Jacob left Beersheba and set out for Haran. And when he reached, everybody say a certain place. He stopped for the night because the sun had set, taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and lay down to sleep. That's how you know you are tired. When you can fall asleep on a rock. That may have been running. He had a dream in which he saw a stairway, come on, stairway to heaven, praise the Lord. Anyways, he saw a stairway resting, (laughs) good song. Anyways, he saw a stairway resting on the earth and its top reaching the heaven and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And there above it stood the Lord. And he said, this is what God said, I am the Lord, the God of your father, Abraham, the God of Isaac. And I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying And your descendants will be like the dust of the earth and you will spread out to the west and the east and the north and the south. And and look at this, and all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. And I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go and I will bring you back to this land and I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. And when Jacob awoke from his sleep, he said or thought, surely the Lord is in this place and I wasn't aware of it. And he was afraid and he said, how awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. And early the next morning, Jacob took the stone he placed under his head and he set it up as a pillar and poured oil on top of it. And he called the place Bethel, which literally means house of God. Though the city used to be called Luz. And then Jacob made a vow saying, If God will be with me and will watch over me on this journey I am taking and will give me food to eat and clothes to wear so that I return safely to my father's household, then the Lord will be my God. And this stone that I've set up as a pillar will be God's house. And all that you give me, I will give you a tenth, which is, and I'm not going to talk about this, but when we talk about tithing, you can see it here. This is still a couple hundred years or so before the law, because a lot of people say what well, tithings under law was well, three hundred years before the law with Abraham, and or maybe a thousand years. I don't know. I didn't. I didn't plan this part of the talk. Anyways, it's there's a reference to it. Um, but here is da- here's David. <laughs> Jacob, <laughs> and Jacob has this incredible encounter with God in this certain place that then he calls Bethel, and that's why I want to talk to you about the power of. A place so let's pray together. Father, thank you so much, God, for meeting us here, and ultimately, God, with with everything, this is really my prayer that every person in this room today and watching online would hear a word from you. Doesn't even matter to me what it is. I'm not. In, I'm not in charge of that. It just, God, my heart. What I'm asking is that every person today receives a word from you for their life, something they know is from you and that they can put into their life and see fruit from it. In Jesus name. And everybody said, amen. amen. The power of a place. So last week when I talked about the the power of vision, I kind of ended with, you know, when God wanted to accomplish this vision that he had heaven to earth and he created man and man believes, belongs, becomes, and builds, and that's how heaven comes to earth, what I said in order to do all that, God had to have a place. And the first place we see is the Garden of Eden. And I said this, transformation, when you read the Bible, transformation always happens in a place. There's always a place. Here we see it in the life of of Jacob. Jacob is running. He's, we're not sure if he's really run, he's running. We're not sure he's running to as much as he's running from, but he's just a man on the run. <laughs> man, on, you know you want to sing it too. Um, and on that run, he comes to a certain place. And this is what we said transformation, life change, encounter happens in a place. There's a place where God meets you. There's a place where we have encounter with him. And and he gives this place a name, the place of encounter, the place of presence, all of this. He gives this place a name and he says, this is Bethel or this is the house of God. And he qualifies that statement with the gateway of heaven. It's the first reference we see to the house of God in the Bible. That's why, you know, a lot of times you study the Bible, there's this principle of first thing. So if you're studying any subject in the Bible, you typically say, well, where was it introduced and by whom and how, because this helps give me context, it helps give me, you know, a lens to look through or a way to understand. And so when we're talking about the house of God, this was the first reference to the house of God. And there were some things that made it the house of God for Jacob. And that's really what I want to talk about today. And so there are three of them. You can write this down. But the first one is is it was a place for presence. Or it was a place for the presence of God. Um, we, We read it, but Genesis 28, verse 16, it says, When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, Surely the Lord is in this place. And I was not aware of it. Let me rephrase that. Basically what he was saying is, surely God's presence was here and I wasn't aware, but I am very aware now. Um, when we talk about the presence of God, a lot of people understand, like, uh, because you've heard it in church or you've heard a pastor talk about, we call them the omnis of God, right? So like omnipotent, God is all powerful, omniscient, God is all knowing, omnipresent. God is ever-present or all-present. And, and we understand that to be a reality that is truth. We, I mean, we can, we can see this in the Bible. Like even David, he said, hey, when I ascend to heaven, you're there. And, and if I go to the depths you know, of the sea, you're there. If I go all the way, if I make my bed in hell, God even there is your presence. And, and those verses tell us about the fact that God is all, what we would call all-present. He is omnipresent. Um, a lot of a lot of people, when they're talking about the, the the omnipresence of God, if you will, that God is all present, they they kind of explain it that way that God is everywhere, right? And it makes sense. Like you know, it's kind of like David's like, if I go here, you're there. If I go there, you're there. If I go here, you're there. You know, like God, everywhere I go, there you are because you are you are ever you are all present. I think what makes more sense to me. When, when I've studied this and studied the Bible, instead of saying that God is everywhere, meaning that he follows us around or that he sneaks up on us or whatever, I, I really think the accurate, when you consider the, 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 the vastness of God, when you consider how infinite God is, I think the correct terminology when we're talking about the omnipresence of God is described it this way. God is so big that everything happens in his presence. That's why he is omnipresent because he is so big, all of creation is in his presence. He is so big, there has never been a moment of your life outside of his knowledge, outside of his presence. There has never been a moment of your life that he could not see. There's never been a prayer uttered that he did not hear. Like the Bible tells us, His His eyes are on the righteous, his ear is attentive to their cry. And you know, understand God is so big, He is already in your tomorrow. Like, you serve, this is good news, by the way, you serve a big God. It is, you know, so many times we thought, well, God's everywhere, and it's almost like he's trying to catch us do bad things. I don't know, maybe it's just as a bad kid, Um, but that's kind of how I felt, like, nobody else felt this, just leave me out here, then, that's fine. (laughs) But I felt like God's everywhere, because he's kind of trying to catch me do bad. No, God's everywhere because he's trying to do good everywhere. He's trying to be good everywhere. Like God is so big that everything happens in his presence. And so we understand the omnipresence of God in that God have this sense, you know, that everything happens in the presence of God. God is aware of everything. God is everywhere, however you want to look at it. But what we see in Genesis 28 is this transition from the omnipresence of God to the manifest presence of God, um, because Jacob says, "I came into this place unaware." Now, was God there? Yeah, right. God God was there. We've covered that the theological concepts. It's absolute fact. God God's everywhere. Everything happens in His presence. He's that big. Was God there? Yeah. But was Jacob aware of His presence? No. What changed? There was a place where God was present, but in that place, God chose to make himself known. Like he was there, but then he was like, I want you to know I'm here. He was there, but then he was like, I want to reveal who I am. I want to tell you who I am. I want to show you who I am like there was a certain place where where he meets and God says, and remember what we said, God literally says, I am the Lord. That's how he starts the conversation. I am the Lord. Like in other words, you have come to this place, I'd like to introduce myself to you. Like just in case you're wondering who the Lord is, just in case you're wondering if the Lord is real, because you haven't had an encounter with me yet, God steps into this place known as the house of God. This is what God said. I'm going to step in, pull back the curtain, make myself known, speak with my mouth because there is a place where you know me. There is a place where I make myself known. This is true all throughout the Bible. The Garden of Eden, what was it, a place where God made himself known? He would come and walk with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day. What was Mount Sinai? It was a place where God said, I want my people to know me, so you're gonna gather in the wilderness at Mount Sinai after I've delivered you from from Egypt, and I'm gonna come down, and you're gonna hear my voice, and you're gonna know me. It was a a place, it was the initiation of what Jews call Pentecost. It was initiation of what, Pentecostals celebrate. It was the initiation of Pentecost. And and some denominations are scared by that, but it's really nothing to be scared about, okay? (laughs) But, But it all was about this This revealing and being made known where God said, I want people to know me. What was the tabernacle was the place where God said, I'm going to put my presence here. And and even when Moses would meet in the tabernacle, a cloud would come down and people would stand in their tents and they would see the cloud, the glory of God coming to meet with Moses in the tabernacle. And then, and then we build a temple. And I mean, you you just continue and continue and continue. There's this place, like even with certain offerings, God would say, I want you to bring that offering to the place where I make my name abide. He's like there. There is there is a place, and then and then he even said this because there's this vision: angels ascending and descending on a ladder, which essentially is like um, like a heavenly assignment. Notice they're ascending and descending. I like the the fact they're ascending first, meaning they were present, they completed assignment, they went back, but then some others came with another assignment. I don't know if you know this, but there, I mean, even even the Bible. Paul said we sometimes entertain angels unaware that there are still angelic beings who are who are given to aid the heirs of salvation being us who are on assignments from heaven but look at what he said here's what he said this place the house of god is a place of heavenly activity that influences earth like there is a gateway to heaven and 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 this is what he said. This house of God, this is the place where God makes Himself known, but it's also the place where heaven influences earth. And 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 this is my heart because and and again, I do not want to offend anyone at all, but I want you to hear my heart on this because I know how crazy our world is, and I know there's you know I understand COVID, I understand there's variants. I understand probably we're going to have variants as long as we're going to live at this point. And I'm not even, I mean, it it kind of humorous. I mean, someone told me the other day, there's a new variant out called uh, another con, but um, I'm so sorry. That was a distasteful joke. And I apologize. I don't want to, I really don't take lightly that there are people very ill and all that. I don't take that lightly at all. And so it's just terrible joke. So forgive me. But my, my point is, is that is that it's there's more so many excuses to not come to church and they're they're actually decent excuse like they could even be qualified as reasons you know what I'm saying like. Um, and and when we switched and everything shut down and everybody moved to online and like I am so grateful for our technology and I'm so grateful we have wonderful people who give because it costs money and but we're able to do it and when I get testimonies from people who watch online it's it's all that is wonderful I'm like I'm so happy and we're not going to stop but but you need to understand that what God is qualifying and Jacob is understanding is that that church the presence of god there's a place and and we need we need to understand that that god meets with us here in a different way. He makes himself known here in a unique way. And while I understand God is everywhere, and if you can't get to the house of God or it's not safe for you because of health conditions or whatever to be in the house of God, I am so grateful we have cameras and and you're watching right now from your cell phone or your TV or your computer or whatever. So grateful, but you need to understand the house of God was a certain place where God made himself known where heavenly activity took place. It was a certain place. And I need you to understand that I'm thankful for those cameras, but that, that what's coming through your camera, is a ministry in this room as church. And I need you to understand the difference. Like, we minister to people through those cameras. I'm so glad we have them. And I'm so glad when you're out or when I, even when I'm out, I can tune in and I can stay connected and I can receive ministry. But there is a presence when two or three are gathered in my name. I am in the midst. There is a promise and there is a presence and there is a way that God reveals himself in his house. Like you can know about me, but if you come hang out at my house, you know different stuff about me that we're not going to talk about because <laughs> you're not welcome. No, I'm just, kidding. <laughs> but I'm just, you understand what I'm saying? There, there's a difference. And, and this is when we see, when we see this place talked about, it was a place of encountering, the made known presence of God where there was heavenly activity that was influencing earth and it was happening in a certain place. And Jacob was so awestruck by it. He named that and he said, this is what the house of God is. This is what the house of God is. It is a place. Listen, the house of God is a place of encounter. There is supposed to be a place where you can come and encounter the presence of God. There's supposed to be a place where your life can be changed, where you can hear God's voice. I mean, you think about David met here think about this. He's seeing heavenly activity with this ladder and the angels. He hears God say, I I am the Lord. He's in awe of the presence of God that he feels in this place. And he receives a calling from God. All of that happens in a certain place where God made himself known. And it was so powerful. Jacob said, this is church. That's what church is right there. This is the house of God. And I just want you to know that that this is the house of God and there's a way God meets with us in his house and we can never replace it as wonderful as online ministry is. We can never replace the value and the power and the manifestation of the presence of God that he is determined will meet us when we gather in a certain place in his name. It's a place of presence. Here's the second thing. It's a place for people. Genesis 28, 13. There above it stood the Lord, and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham, and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land. Look at this. Here's his word descendants. Here's what he's saying. This place, Bethel, this house of God, is going to be a place to bring your people. That's what he said. Like This is a place for people to come. That's what he's saying. I mean, Jacob didn't have descendants right now, <laughs> but God's speaking. He's like, hey, when you have a family, can, can I just, can, can I, well, I can, because, you know, I have a microphone. You don't. Um, like, it's one of my, one of my burdens you know, people, a lot of times, like I'm so proud of my kids and I won't say, I mean, Mariah would love it if I brought her up here and talked about her cause she's my extrovert, my boys, not so much. And, uh, and so I don't want to like, so y'all don't look at me, not them, but anyways, but I'm, I'm so proud of them and their heart for the Lord. And like my oldest leads worship for our student ministry and, and does leadership stuff there. And my kids love going to students. They love being here. They're here every week. And I love that. And I've even had people say, man, I wish my kids loved church as much as your kids love church. And and what I always say is I understand that and I don't know your story, but can I tell you why they love church? Because they don't know life without it. They don't love church because I'm the pastor. I worked really hard to make sure they didn't have to be pastor's kids. They just got to be kids that came to a church. But because they had the freedom, and many of you have loved them and given them freedom, just let them be kids and... Let them come to the house of God. They love the house of God and they come. And, and my concern, parents online and all that, is you have to make a priority of bringing your family to the house of God. And here's why. Because when they turn into adults, you want them to have values that are congruent with Judeo-Christian values, Right. And you you want them to make decisions based on the Bible. But think about this, you need, you need to bring them to the house of God so they have their own encounters with God. Because at some point, it, it's not enough that it's your faith. They have to make it their faith. And and my burden is with, with all this, you know, we'd have a lot of young families saying, we just, it's just easier, you know, it's hard to get the kids ready. I'm like, hear what you're saying. There's going to be a day and, and you're, you're teaching them and you're watching online, but they're playing in the other room. My burden is what he's telling Jacob. Hey, the house of God, that's where you bring your family. It's a place for your descendants. It's a place for your people. Like this is part of what happens at the house of God. The presence comes, but the presence comes to meet with people. And he's like, so you bring your people. Look at what he said. Bring your people back here. Bring your, yeah, take them to Disney, but bring them back here to the house of God. Yeah, take them to play baseball, but you better bring them back here. Yeah, great, they're in gymnastics, but you better bring them back here. You better teach your family the value of coming to the house of God where he makes himself known to them so they have their own encounters with him. And then when we're talking about this house of God where people come, uh, most people understand in... in, uh, the Greek word for church in the Bible. The word church, we actually get from German. I don't know how we got that, but it anyways. But uh, most people, when I say church, like how many people, when I say church, you think of like a really pretty kind of white building with kind of a steeple? Does anybody else see pictures like that? Like you say, like I saw the other day, I was driving, and I literally saw what was like, a, a, like an old chapel. It was so pretty. I was like, oh, a church, that's such a pretty church. When truthfully, it's not, it's a white building. But we call it a church because that's what we were taught. But the truth is, when you look at the Greek word, most of you know where I'm going with this, but the Greek word that's translated, church, in your Bible, is the Greek word ekklesia, which does not have any connotation or direct association with a building. It's actually better translated the assembly. Meaning it's not church till people assemble. So what you need to understand, we're not actually building a church. We're just building a place for the church to assemble. Right? Which there's a value in assembling. And by the way, we're not building a place for the church to gather. Because there's a difference between a gathering and an assembling. Have y'all ever played with Legos? Come on, moment of truth right now. Raise your hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. You can come for prayer. Anyways, I'm just playing. Um, Yeah, I I love Legos. Growing up, our our boys more played with Legos than where I did. So we love Legos. I also think uh, Legos, as much as I love them, they are associated with hell in that if you because if you go to hell, they put you in a room with little Legos all over the floor, take your shoes off, turn the lights out and say, walk around. How many have ever found a stray Lego in the middle of the night with a Yes? And you went running and leaping and praising God, didn't you? <laughs> right? It was something like that, you know? Or did you say a wordy dirt? Be honest. Was it not an approved Christian cuss word? Did you go farther than shoot? Anyways, um, <laughs> But um, let's say, and I can't remember where we were at one time, but we saw like the, the Lego Death Star. Like this, like, I don't know, eight billion pieces. And we didn't buy it, but it was like amazing. And, but here's why. I know. The thing about this. You could take that box and open it and pour it out, and you would have gathered the Legos, but you would not have a Death Star. You would have a gathering. I mean... You might have a hazard, maybe even a death hazard, but you would not have a death star because the only way you get to see the glory of it is not when you gather it, it's when you assemble it. And like, this is like why when we have life groups launch and we're talking about men's gatherings and we have women connect, it's what all of these things, you know what they're aimed at? Taking people who have gathered and helping them assemble. Because the power and the glory is seen in the assembly. Like his church, some assembly required. You know? we, we don't see... <laughs> These are the jokes, people. I understand they're bad. I can't help it. <laughs> Dad jokes. Anyways. Um, but, um, but that's the power of it is, is that what God is saying, he's like, there is a place where we assemble, where the whole body joined and knit together produces love and power and purpose and all these things. And he's like, this is, this, is the, this is the ecclesia, this is the place. So when he is saying this is the house of God, what he's saying it's a house for the presence of God to meet with the assembly of God where the people assemble together. In fact, look at Hebrews Hebrews, um, 10, 24. It says, and you know this verse, but look at this. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. Think about this. Consider one another. Stir up all the good stuff in each other, right? Verse 25, not forsaking the assembling, not gathering, the assembling of ourselves, where we get to know each other, where we get connected to each other, where we get in a life group, where we join a serve team, where we hang out at guys night, where we go to women's connect nights. It's, it's where, it's where we assemble ourselves together. Look, and as some, as is it, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together as some are in the manner of, in other words, meaning they have forsaken gathering. But look at this, but exhorting one another and so much more as the day, meaning that the final day approaches. Here, here's what the writer of Hebrews, and remember, he's talking to a Hebrew church that is under fire. Literally, their, their business is being taken from them because of their faith in Christ. They're losing their homes because of their faith in Christ. They're being persecuted because of their faith in Christ. He's like, hey, don't stop assembling yourselves together because, in the assembly, that is where you are strengthened. That is where you are built up. That is where you are stirred up. Like, you need to assemble yourselves together. And I need you to understand, please, when I'm talking about there is a place where we are assembled and there is a place where we gather, we do, listen, the church, the gathering, And the assembling of God's people is essential, but not because I said so, not because a pastor said so, but because God Almighty said so. That's why it's essential. That's why we gather. That's why we're assembled together, because it's a place for the presence of God to come and meet with the people who are assembling together in his name. Here's the third thing, a place for presence, a place... For people and, and, uh, and then a place for, or a place of purpose. A place of purpose. Um, Genesis 28, verse 14. We read part of this, but he said, your descendants will be like the dust of the earth and you will spread out to the west and the east and the north and the south. And he said, all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you and your heart. Can I just tell you, according to Galatians chapter 3, that last line, that all the people of the earth will be blessed through you, is actually the calling of God on your life. Go read it, Galatians 3.8. Because it was the calling of God on Abraham. it's calling God on the people of God. Here's what I want you to say. Isn't this so cool? I don't know. It kind of blows my mind. Here's what God said. I'm going to have a people. I'm going to bless them so much, I'm going to bless everything around them. Like the company where you work, you should expect to see blessings in that company because of God's blessing on your life like God is good and wants to bless and he wants to bless you and he wants to bless through you and he wants to bless the people around you and he actually uses it like this is part of the blessing of God it's part of the purpose of God that he's going to bless people through us but here's what's amazing about this text think about think about Jacob's state okay he 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 was manipulative and 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 Offended his brother, who's really good with, say, a bow and arrow. And he's on the run. So, what do you think is going through this guy's mind? Maybe a little scared, maybe a little bit confused, maybe hurt that he's now left his family, maybe hurt, maybe ashamed, maybe, maybe I fill in the blank. Like, there's got to be all kinds of emotions. And isn't it interesting? that all of those things drive him to a place where God meets him? Because today there might be people in this place and you're here because life's really confusing right now. And you might be here because life hurts right now. And you might be here because you're scared right now. Or you're anxious right now. Or you're afraid. or, 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 Or you just need help. Or you just need a word from God. Whatever it is, It's amazing to me. This is the goodness of God. Watch this. This man is on the run because he's scared and confused and alone and hurt. And he runs to the house of God and God meets him there. But not only does God meet him there in the immediate of his need, giving him certainty and clarity and healing and all those things. God gives him the greatest gift of all. He gives him purpose. He is running from, and he runs right into the purpose of God because there was a place where God made himself. known. there was a place where God meets with people, but there was a place where God reveals purpose. And I tell you, this is like one of the things that gets me up the morning. We, to, we say it all the time, Pathway, we used to say it. Uh, it used to be on everything. I think it's still there somewhere. We used to print it everywhere else. we say connecting people to purpose like, that's what I want to do, connect people. to person. Can I tell you that the happiest people in the world are not the people with the most money? Can I tell you the happiest people in the world are not the people with, with the most stuff, toys, whatever it is. They're not, the, they're not the people with the most Instagram followers. The happiest people in the world are the people that know why they're here. Mark Twain said there are two great days in a man's life, the day he's born and the day he figures out why. And to me, this is the value of coming to this place because there was a place where God said, Jacob, you're on the run and you haven't even thought about why I created you. And this is what God does. God uses the immediate circumstance in our life, the pain, the confusion, the the guilt, the shame, the hurt, the, the need for peace, whatever, and he will let that drive us to a place where he says, here's why I really created you. And in that moment, he redeems pain and confusion in a place because he will trade pain and confusion for purpose. That's like my heart, like, like when you get up in the morning, like I get up in the morning. Do you know why I get up in the morning? Because I know I know what I'm, what I'm called to do. I know what I'm created to do. There's nothing more fulfilling than purpose. But, but you have to have a place where God meets you and says, this is what I created you for. Like the Garden of Eden where God meets with Adam and Eve... And God creates them and says, I'm creating them to believe in me. I create man to believe in me, in my, in my image, to belong to me, according to my likeness, to become like me, to let him have dominion so he would build like me. This is why in this place we, we say, hey, you know what? We want every person to believe in Jesus belong to a family. We say believe in Jesus. That's we talked about this. That's like what you're doing now, where we sit and we hear the word of God and we're impacted by it, and we come to pl- we come to new places of faith in our life and new places of trust in our life and belong just like we're doing where we go out to the life groups and we say, Hey, I'm gonna belong, like because belonging will change my life. Belonging will help me grow. I'm created to belong, and then I'm gonna become, I'm gonna take next steps and 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 through the process of growing, I'm gonna join a serve team so I can connect to purpose and under like we don't have have a serve team just because we need people to do stuff. We have a serve team because you need to find purpose. And that's like where you start because we are all called to serve, but we got to figure out where, and we got to learn how. And it's like the serve team is the training wheels. That's why I want everybody on a serve team. That's why I want everybody in a life group because these things really matter. But but what I want you to see more, more than than anything else is that God has a place, a certain place. And in that place, he makes himself known. And in that place, he assembles his people. And in that place, he reveals your purpose. And while God is everywhere, and God is wherever you're watching right now, and God is in your office tomorrow, the plan of God transformation happens in a place. Life change happens in a place. God's plan was, I'm going to have a holy place. It's not holy because it has a steeple. There's nothing holy about the steel and, and the lumber and all of that stuff. What's holy about it is God sets that place apart to be a place of encountering him a place where the people of God assemble and are strengthened and built up and a place where we find the purpose for which God created us. It's the power of a place. I I was thinking about the power of a place and when I thought about it, I just started thinking, last year in this place, 167 people made decisions and commitments to Jesus in this place. Like in in the place. Yeah, you can clap. Like in this place. 43 people were baptized in this place. And then I started thinking about like June and his healed collarbone in this place. And Jesse and her healed allergies in this place. And Candy and her healed rotator cuff in this place. And Catherine and, and how God healed her heart condition in this place. And Drew and Catherine, how God healed uh, that Catherine and gave them a miracle baby girl, Violet. And I thought about Kate and Levi. And I just started thinking about clay and how God cleared his lungs of, of this, this disease. And it all happened, what? In a place. And that's why I named the message, the power of a place. Nothing can take the place of the place where God meets with us. Amen. Can you give Jesus (laughs) praise today? (laughs) Why don't you stand with me? And I'm gonna ask our prayer team to come and we're gonna pray. And right now I know probably some life group leaders you need to sneak out. So for everybody that needs to move, we'll move real quick and then we're gonna pray together. And then, yeah, prayer team, if you'll come. And, and what I want to pray today is just really how I started. I mean, we talked a lot about a lot of things. And I think you got the message. I think you understand it. But I just want God to speak to you about it. That's really all. That's really all that I want, just God to speak to you about it. And so will you bow your head with me? And, and God, I just pray right now that you would speak to every person in this room. Lord, whatever it is they need to hear. And again, it can be something from the message being be something you just speak to them, but whatever it is, God, I just want us to lean in. And if nothing else, God, I want us to make a commitment to your house, to your place, to Bethel, the house of God. Lord, I just want us to, to lean into that and see, God, this is that place where you make yourself known, where we're assembled with people, where we, God, find our purpose. So God, I pray right now, everyone would hear from you online in the room everyone would hear from you and god i pray today if there are people in this room who do not have a relationship with you they don't have a good relationship with you maybe they've been running like jacob maybe god they need forgiveness maybe they just need to know you god i pray you would draw them and in just a minute they would come to the front and just tell one of these safe wonderful people hey i just i need some help with my relationship with god i just want to get connected to god however they would say that God, I pray anyone that needs prayer would come and, and God, that you would meet them here. But God, for all of us, Lord, let us just put a maybe a stake in the ground to say, God, church, the place where you meet us is sacred and we commit ourselves to it, to come, to press into encounter, to assemble with people, to find purpose, God. Lord, we thank you that there is a place for us to come and meet with you in Jesus name everybody said amen all right listen if you need prayer at all we want you to come for any reason won't you come everybody else make sure you get your kids and then make sure you find a life group God bless you so much we love you I will see you next weekend